Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we are back for the last two episodes in which Ken Wall was the star of the show, Wise Guy. And that sounds crazy, because again, the show's called Wise Guy, and he's been inextricably uh, right at the head of it. He is the show, but this is it for him. This is it for Vinny Terranova, at least for now. Uh, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, when we last left Vinny, he had just murdered two men, and yeah, he arranged it to be self-defense, but... We call, well, we did call, you did call him, um, passively suicidal. Oh, yeah, he is absolutely, I mean, and that's the interesting thing, uh, this episode called, like... Remember how Criminal Minds was never able to call out that Spencer Reed is passively suicidal, even though he obviously is? Yeah. Uh, this show isn't afraid to go in, to dig into its characters the way Criminal Minds is afraid to dig into its characters. Yeah. So this episode literally starts with him planning to jump off of a bridge in Seattle. Yeah. Just well, like standing at the edge of the bridge, looking into the water, tosses the gun away. You know, so there's no evidence that he murdered those guys. And then clearly is thinking about following the gun down into the water. Like, yeah. there's no other way to interpret this scene. And then he hears some church bells. And remember, he's a good Catholic boy. He can't kill himself. That's why he was trying to get the mobsters to do it for him. And here's where it gets interesting. So he goes to the church to confess. And now we get a load of supernatural contrivances <laughs> this show got weird at the end huh well the whole the whole last six episodes were so weird seven episodes <laughs> but yes there is a, a spiritual aspect that this show has never had not even when pete was on the show that has suddenly <laughs> appeared in this episode like, not even when there was an actual priest on the show was it ever as spiritual as this episode, this, this, these two episodes are. So anyway, he hears and he goes to confess to a priest, and this is where it gets real. Because all the things we've been saying about Vinny for the past, like, how many episodes is this? 30 episodes? Vinny just says them. Yeah. And by the way, this is the perfect example. Like, he just starts talking about all of the people he's killed. And remember how we, we always wondered? Like, he killed a bunch of people for Sonny that, like, we haven't, we didn't see in the show, right? And he killed a bunch of people for Mel that we never saw in the show. And given the state he's in, yeah, he sure as hell is not just having PTSD about the, like, three times he had to get in gunfights. Because if you think about, like, what we've actually seen Vinny do, we haven't actually seen Vinny kill that many people. No, and but Vinny's PTSD is all around pe the around Sonny. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And so he killed people for Sonny that we didn't see, right? And there were gunfights and things like that that we never saw on the show. And that's that's interesting. Like, that's really interesting. But... It's not the main point I want to get at. The main point what I want to get at is, damn, if they could have used the, right? If if they could have used the Washington Ark to set this up, the Washington Ark would have been so powerful. 
because he gives this speech about how he is just a button man for the system. And it doesn't even matter if he kills people because the U.S. government says it's okay that he's killing people. And no matter, like, and he could get away with killing anybody so long as he thinks it through and finds a way to, you know, justify it to the system. And he's like, I could shoot you and they would cover it up. And you're like, you know what? You're not wrong. Well, I mean, it's what Roger's been saying. Roger just doesn't have these guilt things. Yeah, he doesn't have this guilt. Well, because he got into it. He got he got broken young. Roger got broken real young. Because remember, like he he joined the army at like 17 and he moved right into special forces. And so it's like. Roger, yeah, Roger does not have the same hang-ups that Vinny does, and Roger never did. Oh, no, and as I said, I doubt that Roger is Catholic. Oh, so. God, no. No, no. There's no way Roger Lococo's Catholic. Uh, well, it's interesting, right? Because you're watching this scene, and all of the stuff he's saying is, yeah, this is, this, is what the, this is what we've been saying. This is what the show is about. Like, there is a system... And the system needs people to get killed sometimes. And that's Vinny's job. Yep. And it's hard for him to take. And it's hard for him to square with his morals and who he wants to be and who he's supposed to be and what he started out to do. And then we get the reveal. The unbelievably contrived reveal. It's like, are you Vinny Terranova? says the priest <laughs> because it turns out this priest no knew Pete yes that this pr- uh, priest like Pete was one of those catholics that doesn't like to see the church um stepping away from worldly matters that thought the church should be using all of this power to do justice in the world not just to cement its position like why do we have all this power if we're not using it to help people because or what are we here for that's what pete thought and that's what this guy thought and so they met at church conferences and they talked about and he used to talk about his brother Vinny, who was a cop and that's (laughs) and oh and by the way the bells that he heard from the church haven't rung in a decade at least a decade. At least a decade. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, well, God's really taking care of Vinny. Yeah, or God Pete, is... Maybe Pete. Maybe, maybe Pete, Pete got Pete. wings. Yeah, maybe Pete got wings. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's such a... Like, you never thought this show was going to do this. Like we honestly, you watch this show, you think here is the most supernatural show this is ever gonna uh, is ever gonna get is his talking to Sonny in White Noise. That is as right. close to sap- supernatural as you assume this show is ever gonna get. But this episode, it's like he's hearing bells, and the bells are directing him to someone who can speak for Pete. Like, <laughs> wow. It's it's kind of amazing. And by the way, that ain't the last supernatural thing that happens this week. This week. This week, yeah. All right, so. Uh, yeah, and, um, well, no, sorry, it's it's all next week. This is the supernatural thing that happens this week. It, next week is where more supernatural stuff happens. <laughs> oh, my God. And so Vinny just, he goes and he sees that this church is literally a sanctuary. 
i.e. Yeah. it is a place where a guy, uh, because, you know, of how the ch- Catholic Church works, they take in refugees, and as long as the people stay within the church, they can't be deported, because the church is private property, and basically they have, the police aren't going to get a, you know, aren't going to get a, ICE, now ICE, but at that time, um, uh, immigration whatever you know whatever immigration used to be called i've already forgotten you know the evil of ice has so thoroughly infected my mind with thinking about them that i don't even remember what immigration used to be called and like the people they were just who, immigration cops yeah immigration they, cops you know agents ice, ice is so monstrously evil that now that is a whole has all the mind share for this kind of policing but anyway uh, so yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna attack a church. And so all of these people stay there. They have a giant basement that is literally full of refugees that he takes care of and feeds and tries to work on their asylum claims. So yeah, he is the good priest. There is such a thing as a good priest and it's this guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then we cut to, uh, you know, Frank and Dan are out looking for Vinny, right? Frank and Dan are out looking for Vinny and they're going to. They're going to find him and they're going to, like, they're going to bring him home. They want to make sure all of this goes away. And they find out that, yeah, the two guys that wound up dead outside of his flop house, as they say, uh, they were shot with the exact same kind of bullets that the gun Vinny got in Lynchboro would have had in it. So in all likelihood, he's the killer. But one of them had a magnum and the other one had a sawed off shotgun sewn into his coat. These are mob hitmen. Yes. They were there to kill Vinny. They just don't know what yeah. mob they belong to exactly. Exactly. And who runs the mob and nobody knows as mm-hmm. I mean this is this is where the love of Uncle Mike's life yes. as it turns out. As it turns out, Mike has fallen in love. Yes, and he but she says, Yeah, but we don't know who's running yeah the east mob the, out of yeah the seattle. the west yeah like this is uh as they say seattle has its own mob and they are associated with the coast right with the east coast because everybody is like new york is where all this stuff starts but they um you know old man weiss used to run things and then he died but there wasn't a war and everything stayed shut down and no one's really sure who was responsible for keeping like there be for being any bloodshed and of course, yeah. we find out that it's his widow. Yep, it's his widow, uh, Harriet Weiss. And we never. And um, this is the interesting thing about the show: they never explain to you what her relationship with John Kusakis is. But given the things that happen and how she talks about him and knowing him since he was a baby, you're like, oh, okay. So John Kusakis's dad was a high place soldier for Weiss obviously and he got clipped at some point and then they looked after john that has to be what it is because john must be what happened yeah exactly yeah he's catholic too he's uh right so it's like this has to be what the relationship was yeah because she she and the dad are uh and the uh she i don't know if she's jewish uh originally but i'm sure she converted And uh, obviously Weiss was uh, Jewish and uh, John is Greek, right? But yeah, like quite obviously that's the backstory of these characters, even though, again, the show doesn't spell it out. So it's just up to you to notice this stuff. Yeah, to to kind of try and figure out, because she raised him from a baby. So 
his dad must have been clipped. The mother must have been a non-entity. Yep. Who knows? Maybe they died in a car accident. Yeah, who's, yeah know. who knows? But I mean, because they're mob, you assume. Yeah, right? and they so they took John in as they didn't have any children of their own. That's yeah. clear. Yep, so they, and so they took John in and treated him like a son. Yeah. And this is where it gets interesting. But we'll talk about that in a bit because their relationship developed in an interesting way that causes some problems. What I love is that we get the situation where everyone's like, because uh, she, you know, is yelling at John about how she, he let a hitman work for his company. And they all are assuming that the East Coast is moving on them. Yeah. Like, that is their first thought, that it's like all of this piece, as she says, like Seattle is the place where like people don't get shot in the streets. This is where we deal with stuff, right? Yeah. This is, everybody makes a deal. Everybody's smarter out here. But now suddenly someone's showing up and killing people. And so they assume the uh, the East Coast is making a play. And it's like, we got to find out who he's connected to. And as they say, what do you want to do? Have, you know, call New York and ask if they've heard of a guy named Vinny? You know? Although, well, ironically, the, the that actually probably would have worked. Yeah, yeah, that's what's funny is that that's the funniest line in this whole episode. Two episodes. Yeah, is this what you want to do? Just yeah, he's actually very well known. Yeah, you called New York; they would have known who Vinny was. I'm surprised that these guys didn't know who Vinny was. Yeah, well, again, they really are. the The sense you get of the way they're working is that they really are completely sectioned off from the yeah. commission like it's one of those things where they the the jewish mob were expected to believe out in seattle was just given the rights to run the city and as long as they run their territory and and kick up state kick back to new york every year or every month you know as long as they pay their their you know Dudes. the percentage yeah their percentage then you know they're given free hand to do whatever they want and that is completely believable based on the way we've uh seen the uh the mob running on the show yeah. it's like it really can be hands off as long as you're turning a profit as long as everybody's getting paid what do they care you know yeah so yeah like so now but they've got to tear the part to see uh the city apart looking for Vinny. so now you've got two different you got frank and you got dan looking for Vinny, and then you've got uh right and then you've got the mob looking for him and so this is the fun part. So they're just driving around looking for the guy. And what's nice right, is they both wind up at the church. They well, both, yes. I mean, yeah. There's that nice scene. There's that nice scene where, you know, Dan's, Dan's the love of Dan's life. Yeah. Isn't it, it explains him. You have to stop thinking that you're looking for your friend. You have to stop this. Mm-hmm. You have to decide to treat him like anyone else. Now, yeah. where would he go? Yeah. What would yeah. he do? If he were a criminal, how would you profile him? Yeah. What's and it's he like going- he'd go for, I mean, it's Vinny. He'd always go for family, but he doesn't have any family left. He just certainly doesn't have any family in this area. And they're like, well, what's the closest thing he had to family? The church. That's well, it. That's there you go. And then they start like, going to all the churches. Yep. They start going to all the churches. And you're like, oh, well, how does Kusakis know about that? He doesn't. But he goes to Vinny's Flophouse. And he says that the guy, and when he threatens the Flophouse owner, 
he says that a guy was just in here with a picture, right, of the guy you're looking for. He's the guy who just, the the bald guy who just uh, left. Yeah. Right? The bald guy who just left. So Kusakis runs out and he sees them getting into his car and driving away. So he writes down the license plate and he puts the word out all throughout the underworld. If anybody sees this license plate and calls us, it's a thousand dollars. Yep. And so now you've got the entire street looking for Frank's license plate. And so we get a nice scene where, um, oh, and of course the, they follow up on the, um, the press, th- uh, the, the health elimination services thing by having the priest call a press conference to announce that they're poisoning the water. Cause he's yeah. like, that way they'll, the press, the people will demand they do something and this will get done. And it's not like some mobsters are going to sue the church. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, too many of them belong to the church. Exactly. They can't- Oh, absolutely. And so he's like, so, uh, and that's why he's not scared of getting, uh, getting taken out by these guys. Yeah. And so while they're prepping the, while they're prepping the, the press conference, Frank comes and sees, uh, you know, Frank comes to the church and the guy's like, uh, Father Pot? Yeah. Father Pot's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't seen the guy. Excuse me. I got to do a press conference. And then uh, Frank gets uh, back to the car and he's like struck out again. And it dawns on him. It dawns on him. Wait a minute. Every other priest I just talked to gave me a speech about how he can't violate the law of sanctuary. And this guy just got me out of here. Yeah. Vinny's in there. Yeah. Vinny's must be in there. And so you see Vinny and uh, there's a great scene where Vinny's talking to Father Pat. And he's like, uh, guy was just here looking for you. He's like, uh, bite my height, bald, round glasses, the kind of, you know, uh, a face that makes you want to like the person immediately. <laughs> like, oh, that's such a nice thing to say. Yep. Oh, it's such, I mean, it's such a funny line. But it's, and it's so cute and it's so true of Frank. He really does have, like, a, he's a frustrating guy, but you want to like him. That is his vibe and that has always been his vibe. He really does. Like, he really has an infectious personality. You do want to like Frank McPike. All right. So, it uh, it continues this way. They start talking. Uh, Frank comes in, you know, comes back in, and he and Vinny hug. And they start talking about, you know, like, how messed up Vinny's is. And Vinny tr- tries to apologize to him. And he talks about Kusakis and health elimination services and the poisoning and how they got to do something about it. And it turns out Kusakis was overhearing all of this because he got the call and followed Frank to the church. Yes, because a couple of prostitutes shot and told him that he was at the church. And so he gets, he sees them, he goes into the church, overhears sort of this. Well, Just, yeah, he yeah. He overhears the part where they're going to be coming after him and he makes an unbelievably stupid decision. Yes. Which is, he's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just shoot him now. Yeah. And so he tries to shoot Vinny and Vinny shoots back and only Frank gets hit. And the, no, the priest does get hit. No, he gets grazed, but Frank gets injured is the point. Yeah. Frank has gotten shot in the chest and he's in a real bad way. Vinny chases Kusakis out into the street going looking for him. Can't see hide nor hair of him. Kusakis runs off and uh, wow has gone completely nuts. Is that the nicest yes, way I, to say it? 
Yes. Is there any come, other way to describe it? No, it, it is. Um, I mean, they do come up with the reason why he's nuts later in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it does kind of make sense um, because it, nobody knows why he's turned so nuts. But the interesting thing about this is his moment of shooting, right? Because he's now in the place where he thinks that Vinny is coming after, like is helping somebody come after the West Coast operations. And now he's, you know, Vinny's talking to this guy. Right. Who, uh, right. Who, and he doesn't know who it is. And of course he doesn't know who Frank is when he shoots him. Cause why would he, he just knows that a bald guy's looking for Vinny. So he's like, he's not in a position to know who Frank is. And what's really interesting is, so he runs off and he decides, okay, in for a penny in for a pound. If people want to move on the West coast, this place deserves to be mine. I'm going to move on this family. I'm going to take everything over. And he's delusional. Obviously, this can't work. But yeah, as we'll find out, there's actually a reason for how deranged he's acting. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. And like, yeah, okay, I get it. All right. So, uh, Vinny chases him. And then uh, Kusakas tells his henchman, one of them who's been seen, he's like, get out of town. And, you know, get out of town. Here's five grand. Hide until we call you. Right. And that, you know, stay in contact with uh, my buddy here and we'll call you when we need you. And then uh, he sa says the other guy, go clean all of my stuff out of health elimination services and I'll meet you and then get the boys together and I'll meet you this Sunday at Temple. <laughs> yeah. Like Temple's a weird place to meet people, but okay. <laughs> Especially because none of them are Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And he said. No, meet them after the after service. Ten. Yeah, after the service. We're not Jewish. Exactly. And the idea, he of course, is... He makes that point. He makes that point. And, of course, the code is, that's when they're going to hit the bosses. I mean, we know that that's what the code is, but he doesn't come out and say it because, again, it's a well-written show. Yeah. Like, if you've been paying attention, then notice that the woman running the place is a Weiss. That's his plan, is to go and, you know, take her and her patron in the city... Uh, and a character who we never really find out what his job is. Like, yeah, I can't tell you what Charlie Bowden's job is. Like, he's not the mayor of Seattle, but he's like, he's the, not the chief and he's not the, he's chief, not of the police, chief of police, but he's some incredibly high powered political boss. Yeah. We just never, we never actually find out what his job is though, which is kind of weird, right? Well, except that no, because he's the one that Vinny sent the letter to. Oh, no, no, he wasn't. He's just the guy who got the call from the guy. He's not the head of the health department, but that's who got the call from that guy. Like, that's okay. who, because he yeah. finds out right away that about the Vinny making the call because he's in charge of, like, all of the politics in the city somehow. So he's like, he's like a party political boss of some kind. Oh, no, he's, he's like an Uber administrator. Up. Yeah, he's, he's some kind Uber of city administrator who the hell knows exactly what his job is, but they specifically, and it's kind of weird that they specifically don't tell us what his job is. Well, cause it's probably a job that doesn't exist. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's, it's interesting though. Cause so he's clearly maybe only in Seattle, maybe only in Seattle, they have city administrators or something crazy like that. Cause it's like when the FBI like shows up after the, sh cause he runs to the, like he shows up at the shooting and he's like, until the police commissioner gets here, I'm in charge. I'm like, what the hell is your job, buddy? 
No, I mean, he could be like most cities have city administrators. Yeah. But they may have, you know, I mean, the, the code would be that he had become this really powerful. Yeah. Like, like city administrators, there's always someone who's the boss that runs the whole city. Well, there's always someone who writes all of the checks. Yeah. A guy who at the end of the day is responsible for all of the checks that go out of the city. Yeah. They're a bureaucrat who's controlling all the city's money. And, and that is clearly who he is because everyone recognizes that he's in charge. Yeah. And what's interesting. Yeah. And they would have just created his position because it becomes clear that, and although we never know what it is exactly, it's become clear that he was there at the beginning of all of this. Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah. And and it's it's just an interesting thing about the episode that there's this guy who's incredibly powerful in Seattle and who's literally in bed with the mob. Uh, yes <laughs> not figuratively <laughs> literally in bed with the mob because he's sleeping with harriet uh and right and they've known each other in the world of the forever. mob forever yep he's been part of the he's yeah. he was part of they were the trio that set up yeah the seattle mob you know yeah. 50 years ago who the hell knows that you know got it to its uh current level of power for no probably 40 years ago yeah, because Saul, because her husband Saul might have been a lot older than her. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So and Charlie's could... in his sixty and his late sixties, early seventies. So yeah, yeah, it's like they were they were the people who took over, right, Seattle for the Jewish yeah. mob back in the day, and he's and she's still running the mob and all of its businesses, its legitimate fronts, and he's the one, and he's the one who handles the political end of things. Yeah. But it's like they're still the mob, you know. Yeah. Even if they're running things, they're still the mob. And it is funny that it's like the, you know, lifeguard's girlfriend, who of course is a lifeguard too, so, uh, like knows that Charlie Bowden is the power in this town to the point where, like, you can't do anything about him coming in and buffaloing everybody out of the place. Like, he right. is the power. He is the the main corrupt thing in all of Seattle. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. Yeah. So yeah, because you got this interesting backstory stuff. Yeah, they don't still don't know who runs the mob. Exactly. Like they don't know who's actually in charge. They just know he's handling the political wing of stuff. And mm. yeah, I guess no one would assume. And again, it's the inherent sexism of both the mob and the cops that it would never occur to anyone that the widow of the mob boss just kept everything running fine. Yep. That it was like there was no reason for anyone to stop just cashing in. Like, if we don't have a war, we can all just keep making money. And that's exactly what they did. And yeah, and it is it is interesting that that would never occur to them. Oh, and John does maybe the smartest thing I've ever seen a criminal do on this show. Which is, he sneaks in the back door of the church. And grabs a food and water and a bucket. And he goes up to the bell tower and he hides inside the church. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'll say this, it's it's a smart move, because what is the one thing everyone thinks they know about the killer? Well, that he ran out the front door and fled after shooting Frank. Yeah. So it's like everyone naturally assumes, like, why would you massively search the church when you know for a fact the killer ran out the front door? Yeah. 
it's, it's smart. Like, it's a really smart move on his part. I thought that was a nice touch. I thought it was a genuinely smart thing they have the character do. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Anyway, so he's on the... Uh, so he heads up. Right? He heads up to hide out and, let's face it, go nuts. Yes. He will spend the next episode going very nuts. Frank's in the hospital. He's almost dying. And while he's almost dying, right? while he's almost dying, he hears the, like, we get a near-death scene with him. So, you know, column of white light, seeing his childhood dog, or hell, maybe it's the... <laughs> Maybe it's that old dog he was talking about back in the first season who might, you know, wind up, uh, who got thrown in the, the pound because his wife briefly left him. Could be the same dog and finally died. Anyway, yeah. could be that dog. And then Vinny comes in. Uh, but the key part is, no, no, no you're, you've missed one thing. While he's looking up, right? Mm -hmm. While he's, while he's floating away, the show cuts for one second to Kusakis in the bell tower, you know, oh. smoking a cigarette, lighting yeah, a cigarette. I didn't that. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's worth mentioning that that is what Frank is seeing while he's having his go into the light moment. Is yeah. Kusakis in the bell tower, right, smoking a cigarette, and yeah. it's worth mentioning that that happens. Because then when Vinny shows up at his bedside and call and like, you know, demands that he come back and he does come back, he mentions the bells the same yeah. way Vinny heard the bells. And that's why we talk about how this is getting weirdly supernatural right at the end. And there, there, there's there's Vinny, but you can't leave me because I don't know who I am. Yep. I don't know <laughs> Damn. Who I am. Yep. Like, the show's going all in on what this job is doing to Vinny. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like, it is genuinely very fascinating what the show is doing with Vinny right here at the end. And God, you are right that about, the more I think about it, the more I think you're right, that they could have used the corruption in the DC arc to set up Vinny's crisis of identity here. Yeah. Like, more effectively. Because if it had left, not with this perfect Frank Capra ending, but with, I mean, everything got covered up to a certain extent, but it's like with every, with the bad guys getting away on some level and the, and the thing just having to be covered up, right? If it had ended that way, then Vinny's complete breakdown and crisis of faith in what the hell am I even doing any of this for actually makes more sense. Yeah. So yeah, you're right that they really they really screwed up at the end, especially and it I mean there's plenty of stuff to complain about in that arc. We complained about most of it. But the big thing that kills that arc is that they I don't have the honest ending and Frank making a speech about how really the good guys won and really the system works. Yeah. And that was that was um you know, but well, we'll get to that when we get to the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. Again, we're, we'll, about to do. we're going to address that again very shortly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. So we cut so, to the next episode and surprisingly, like, uh, we get to the next episode and not a ton of stuff happens because it's all like mostly plot focused. But we do get one key thing, which is 
Uh, so Kusakis dresses up as a priest and he like, he can't wait till temple. He's like, he needs to have this out now. He's just stewing in his frustration and his anger. And we find out why he's so pissed, which is he got out of college and he got handed health elimination services by old man Weiss. And he's yep. like, do a good job. Turn this into a profitable venture and we'll make some money for, and you know, and you'll, will move up. And there's no reason to believe that, that he's lying about any of this. No. Because, uh, well, because of what Harriet says. Uh, be, oh, sorry. Uh, before we get to this scene, I forgot to mention the really disturbing scene that happens in the episode where they go to, you know, they go to look for John at his office and they find John's henchman and yeah. they torture him to find out where John is and what the plan is. And Harriet breaks all of the man's toes with a bowling pin. And then Charlie Bowden murders the man with a bowling ball. And you're like, oh, wow, this show's getting rough right at the end, isn't it? Well, no, it wasn't that Harriet. No, Harriet just just told him to do it. They have a sort of torturer and then they send him out. And then Harriet, yes, does other things. And yeah. then... And then, then she leaves and goes out and, and then Charlie finishes the job. kills him with bowling ball. Yeah, but it's like, literally you see him, like, because the torturer prepares the guy's feet to be smashed with a bowling yeah. pin. And then she's the one who does it while questioning him. It's, yeah. it's well, a rough I, scene. I can't remember who she's talking to, but she's talking to some, yeah. And you know, and Bodan and I just tortured together. Yeah, we just tortured a guy. And how, like, the the... The glee of these people remembering what it was like being in the mob back when the mob was risky, back when the mob wasn't just, you know, managing investments, back when they used to torture guys and kill guys. It's a weird scene, and it's an interesting scene, and it tells you a lot about these people. Because no, again, just... even here at the end, when the show's falling apart in a lot of ways, they haven't stopped caring about characters. No. They're just doing it way too fast. I mean, it's oh, just like, I mean, I mean, that was my biggest complaint about these. Well, the biggest complaint. I mean, there's no, no, the, 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 the arcs complaint. are too short. The arcs are too short. The arc is too short. You don't, I mean, it's really hard to, you saw Kusakis with Vinny. Yeah. Okay. In the previous episode. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and the, the whole thing, but you don't, his complete breakdown, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's way too fast. You don't have fast. any time to set that up. No. You don't and so have we have to do backfill on up. it later. Yeah. You're backfilling all the time. I mean, you don't have any, you should have had a bigger setup with Harriet and Bodan. Yeah. We, you know, we need, we need to, to know more about Charlie Bowden. We need to know more about how the city works. Like, they needed to do more work than they have time to do. Yeah. And so they're just going to, but so what we get is again, you know, as I said, you know, he got his wings and is intervening and helping Vinny. Yeah. I mean, um, it feels that way. Yeah. And they're just rushing us through this stuff. Yeah. And, and they have to, because I'm sure that they were told they could not do that arc. Yeah. In length that, that, that because you had all those friggin' filler episodes. Yeah, I know. Like this and, is you needed three more episodes at the end. We could have done an extra in Lynchboro. You could have done two more here. 
with Vinny in this sleazy mob, uh, right, on the West Coast. And like they should have found have out he better. was he, they should have found out he was Vinny Terranova, At the mob the the head of the mob the yeah. head of the commission. Yeah, the guy who was briefly at the top of the commission before it all went down, you know? Yeah. Like that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, Don Ayupo's heir. Like this is a. Somewhere one of them should have picked that up. Right. Here he is. You know, what the hell is he doing out here? And. Oh yeah. He was pretending. Yeah. And why is he pretending just to be this uh, sleazy guy? And they, and then like that should have played into it. But anyway, what happens instead is that John goes to see Harriet uh and and this Rest is where he yeah, yes this is where he talks about you know how he uh how the old man said you know don't trust my wife you know she's too greedy and wants it all and how after the old man died he got left there like he never got the step up he was promised yeah right he never got to move up to the next level he just continued making a lot of money with his scumbag with his job which is uh, what do you call it? Uh, which is overcharging waste. people for getting uh, rid of this waste and then dumping it unsafely to ensure you make money. Or as he said, he said, and then HIV was a boon because nobody wanted to touch the stuff. Yeah, nobody wants to touch the stuff. So he had the he had the city all to himself because yeah. of HIV. Damn. Yeah, so that's how he made his money. Yeah, that's and how he so, made his money. Yeah. And yeah, and he is he is. And he talks about, and it's so funny because what you're not talking about is her talking about him and just doesn't understand this. Yeah. Like something's yeah. gone fundamentally wrong with him. And she keeps talking about, well, but he was such a nice boy. Yeah. Oh, and we raised him and it was just, you know, and he was just. She's got a picture of him in his he, communion outfit. Yeah. And he was such a sweet and they're Jewish. Yeah. And they're and, Jewish. And, yeah. They raised him and allowed him to stay Catholic. He was yeah. he was raised as a Catholic boy, and his his she's like, community. And she's like, and why he is he so angry understand. now? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't understand what happened to him. And of course, Charlie Bowden is just going. Well, you got to forget it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, who cares about this stuff? He's got to go. Yeah, stop, 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 stop looking at the past. Yeah. So she does have some feeling. Oh, absolutely. But she's also pretty heartless, you know, heartless. Yeah. And then she's doing, and then, you know, so she's talking, right? She's talking with uh, Bowden on the phone and when he comes in. Yep. And uh, it's Bowden who says the fatal line that gets Harriet killed. Yep. Harriet might have been able to talk him down. Yeah. But, Maybe. Uh, his belittling of John is not what John needed at that moment. No, that's not what you do, but I don't think... He's not going to... Yeah, and he, he tries to tell him, like, look, you haven't killed anybody. Yeah, you shot an FBI agent, but he's not dead, and we can make this go away. You'll just do a couple of years, and it won't even be in prison. You'll go to the hospital. Yeah. And John, hearing that he's apparently crazy now, that's the one thing you shouldn't have said to John, apparently. Yes. Yeah, because, well, yes, but they don't, and this is what makes it, right? It's not like they were watching him. It's like, yeah. it's like he yeah. turned into this crazy person overnight. Yeah. And, and they're all just sort of sitting there going, but, but, but. Where did this, where did this and, come and Bowden, from? Yeah. Bowden has not seen John. Nope. 
really. He's talked to him on the phone once or twice, had the regular conversations with him. So he doesn't know how crazy this guy has gotten, really. Nope. Until he he killed. Yeah. Until he kills Harry. And and the priest, right? And then he, of course, after Charlie says this, you know, that's he gets just enraged and kills her with a golf club. Yep. So, and we we missed the scene. We missed talking about. You see, some of my favorite scenes are like when when they're sitting there because you can just see these two unconcerned people, like they are two. And they're sitting there talking about, like, after they've killed the guy, right? They're in the yeah. car and wondering whether this place where... where the, the place where they, the three of them used to go and get breakfast is still open. And the rest of it, you know? And is it still mm, open? And, I wonder. And then the next day he's complaining about how the gefilte fish is still, you know, giving him... And she's giving going, oh, you go him. I know. You know? And, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, it is like this antithetical... They could have done so more because those those scenes right are just like these people who don't really understand there's nothing wrong with what they do yeah they just do it and and the thing is they've been the weird part is they have been without they've been living the mob life without threat of consequence for so long They've forgotten that this is a life and death business. Mm-hmm. They really have. Like they they've forgotten that like this is a business of men like Vinny who kill people for power. You know? Yeah. So it's like they just they they have gotten too insulated from getting their hands dirty, which is you know that's something weirdly that's something Sonny talked about. Yeah. You know. It, it, yeah, and that was sort of pet. Pat, yeah, Pat the Cat's problem. Yeah, he'd forgotten. He'd forgotten. And they, yeah. they, of course, are clearly, and the funny thing is, is she's right. I mean, they don't have any idea why the East Coast would be threatening Coming them. after them, yeah. They just don't, this doesn't make any sense. And of course, it doesn't make any sense because the West Coast isn't coming Yeah, the East Coast them. isn't coming after them. <laughs> They're this perfectly is just right. a, yeah, they're perfectly happy to get their checks and just, you know, keep going. Uh, just let you know, these guys it's run just, things. Yeah, yeah, I would have just liked it better if they had found out that Vinny Terranova was... I know. Vin- no, but I mean, Vincenzo. Vincenzo. And, yeah, and had they... Uh, but again, had they had four episodes to do this, they yeah. could have gotten closer to doing what this should have been. So the point yeah. is, Harriet's dead. Uh, Kasakis yep. is up in the attic. Preparing for a chance to kill Charlie Bowden, right? And as he is, and Charlie, you know, comes to the comes to the church to see people, all right, to to look over the situation, right? And so he's gonna get his chance. And at that ve- very moment, Vinny says to himself, because uh, he's just like he's like the police are gonna sort this out. This isn't my job anymore. So he goes and he says. That I think the bells are meaningful. I think we should get them running again. And Father Pat says, that's not going to be easy. It's a big job. And he's and he's like, well, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I got to pay for my room and board somehow. somehow. And I got nowhere to be. So, you know, I'm just, I'm here praying for Frank every day anyway. So I might as well be productive. So he goes up and he, uh, and as he's going up, we get a, we get a wonderful moment 
where John is freaking out and seeing yep. shadows. And what yep. does he see inside there? He sees Frank in a hospital gown staring at him. Yeah. Because <laughs> again, the show has gone completely supernatural at this point. <laughs> we didn't see it coming, but it's happening. And well, it's, it's happening. Yeah. And it will, because it's a corollary. And it's the idea that in that moment when he was having the near death experience, like he was seeing John who shot him. And then later, John has the same kind of supernatural experience seeing Frank. It's yep. interesting. Like, it's a really interesting moment. And then Vinny goes up to see him and, well, goes up to check on the bell. And that's where John is. And you think it's going to be a showdown. But, like, he quickly knocks the gun out of John's hand. And John is so utterly deranged by this point. He just throws himself down the stairs, killing himself. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, and this is because Vinny is still in physical pain, so yeah. he can't fight. Yeah. But it was, you know, I mean, it's, it, you know, you have the odd line. Well, it smells, it smells like, and, and John turns around and yells at him and says, it's the dog. Yeah. Right. And that's how Vinny is prepared. Yeah. Right. If Vinny had not, but it, yeah. And he throws himself down the stairs and he kills himself. And mm -hmm. that's that. That's end of that. Yeah. And that's it for, that's it for, uh, that's it for John. And then yep. Vinny, like, oh, and then we find out, you know, what was going on with John. They talk about, you know, the not be like, he was exposed to too many chemicals and like, the he mercury. was now taking any precaution. He was around all this mercury and mad as a hatter. <laughs> they literally explain the term mad as a hatter. The fact that they used, uh, um, they used to use mercury to harden beaver pelts to make hats, and that's why you ended up with people going nuts because it got in through your uh, got in through your skin and got into your blood and it drove people insane. Yeah. yeah, and there's nothing you can do if you have mercury poisoning. No, there's there's no, no way to get it back out of your system. No, it gets yeah. into it doesn't just stay in your bloodstream. Yeah. it just gets into your whole body and it destroys you. Yeah, and that is that is what was going on with John. And so now we're here at the end and Vinny gets the bells ringing again and the sound of the bells ringing again wakes up Frank. I mean, that's yeah, how it's coded. That's... Like, I don't think we can deny that that's oh, no, what's no, happening. No. no, no. The only thing that would have made it better is that when, but no, but you see, they didn't do that. And that's what makes it so this supernatural. It was the bells ringing that woke him up. Yep, he right? heard the bells because and he woke up. what he should have said, what he should have said, well, somebody get those church bells to stop <laughs> ringing in my head. That was Frank. <laughs> that was but he Frank. Doesn't. No, he doesn't. They want to have that moment, that completely supernatural moment of, you know, be a... T the uh, yeah. ate, the bells saved Vinny, and, then and the now bells the bells Frank. are going to save Frank. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that is that is definitely how you're supposed to read this that's, scene. That's the this, only way to read this This scene. episode is... It, this episode is book-ended with the bells. Oh, yeah. No, both of the episodes are. Like, yeah. epi the previous episode starts with the bells, and this episode ends with the bells, and that's a wrap on season 13. Season 3. Sorry, season 3. Season 3. Oh, my God. Uh, it'll... People will understand. We'll already know why I was talking about season 13. Something stuck in my head that we're going to talk about later. Uh, <laughs> you don't even know about this. 
So no. it should be fun. No, we'll have a conversation right after we wrap up this episode. I'm springing another record on her, which if you listen to our Sunday bonus shows, you'll already know about. Uh, and now she's giving me this look over the camera like, what the <laughs> hell is this man talking about? Yes, because I, we I haven't told her. Video one of these days. I know, I know. All right. Uh, so anyway, so that's that's season three. I mean, like we have talked so much about how broken this season is while we're talk while we've been talking about it. There's very little up for us to do in a wrap up. Like, well, except 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 what we haven't talked is the biggest part of Vinny. Yeah. Well, Where that's he's what talking I to, to get Frank to. and going, you're right, Frank, the institution, it's not the institutions that are wrong, but it's the people in them. Yep. And I'm yep. just going, say what? Yeah, I know. And if you put good people into the institutions, it'll be good. And if you put bad people into the institutions, it'll be bad. And that like, they are trying to make that true by talking about how and how they literally end the season before he fixes the bells talking about how okay harriet's dead and john's dead and we close down hes but nothing's going to change because charlie bowden's still running seattle yeah he'll find somebody else to pick up the slack yep and so you're end you end up in this weird position where okay well but the fact that charlie bowden has access to this power like yeah, the no, problem I, I, is, the, was, is that the institution gives people this power. You can't build an institution and say, oh, well, we'll just only have good people running it. That's not the way just, things work. And it's and the problem with them saying that and Vinny saying the message is that is that is the opposite of what we just learned in Lynchboro. Yeah. That was the entire exactly. point of the Lynchboro arc is that that line of thinking is wrong. The system itself is the problem. As, as, as so many of our arch criminals have, have said. said. Yeah. It's that the system empowers people. That's the message yeah. that keeps coming up over and over again. The system of authority that gives power, people power over other people is inherently corrupting. Yeah. And, and because you even saw it when Frank had to let go of Raglan. Yep. You know, had to had to, you know, just say, you know, he wrote the report so that right so John that Henry could go. Yeah. So and and so that uh, Penzola had a threatened him, you yep. know, made a threatening he gesture. Yeah. He and, and for sure, Raglan must have thought he had a gun because, you know, yeah. yeah, that's what it looked like. Yep. And we all know because we watched it that that wasn't true. Yeah. And so Frank lied. Mm -hmm. So Frank already knows that there are some inherent problems in the system. Yeah. He's already known it. He's been living with it all his life. He can live with it. He's learned how to adapt to that. Vinny never did. And then you had this stupid ending to the Washington arc. Yep. Where Frank says, there's nothing wrong with the institution. See, it, it worked. It worked. No, 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 no. Were you no. and I watching the same episodes, Frank? Yeah, yeah. Frank, Literally, you know. if again, if if what's his name? Um, I was about to Howard Hughes hadn't come off of his mountain, and one of the most powerful men in America hadn't shot himself, tried to like shot somebody in Congress. You know, this all would have blown up. 
you know, this all would have ended with all the bad people still in power. All the bad people still in power and Vinny um, would have gotten away with it. Yeah. You know, he because he had, but he would have had to as the, even, the the attorney attorney general, general, even the like, attorney general, even the attorney general was willing to cover it all up. Yeah. And then that's the thing. It's like, did the, and then Frank said, did the attorney general have to bring the Marine to your room so you guys could talk and you could convince him to turn on striking? Well, yeah, but what if that hadn't been the attorney general? What yeah. if there was an attorney general who was more interested in covering things up than he was in? Well, what if it had been John Mitchell? What if it had been William Barr? Yeah. Who was more interested in covering things up and maintaining the power of people in charge? And, well, then they would have the power to do that. Because, spoiler alert, that's exactly what jo uh, what William Barr did for George Bush. 1992. George Bush is about to leave office. William Barr comes in as and writes a framework for George Bush to pardon every single person involved in Iran-Contra. The year after that episode of Wise Guy, or well, like later the same year. Oh no, it's because that's 91 and 92. This is 92. So it's like six months after that episode of Wise Guy aired, we got shown how naive that ending of Wise Guy was when Iran-Contra friggin' disappeared because the Attorney General covered it up. <laughs> so don't give me that, like, the system can work as long as there are good people in charge of it. The system ensures that good people don't get put in charge of it. That's what the system's for. It's for perpetuating this kind of power. And it won't it's let anyone who isn't comfortable with this kind of power, right, or doesn't want to use this kind of power, get in charge of it. Look at what happened yeah, to Bernie Sanders. Okay. Have you, have you ever seen, have you yet, have you watched the Korean um, designated survivor? survivor? I, assume uh, they, I assume they do a lot of this. Well, let me just put it this way. Yeah, it it, it it's but, right? Yeah. Um, but, but the guy is, <clears throat> keeps his promise. Nice. And he actually gives up the power. Yep. Gives See, up the power. And I mean, and it's a beautiful idea and I'll have to watch it, but it's like, it's so funny. Well, it's like, I was telling, I was explaining to somebody the other day, right? That like, it was so weird for you and I to be recording an episode of this podcast about, you know, this show's uh fake story about the CIA, like, you know, story yes. about what if the CIA tried to do a coup in Haiti at the <laughs> same time that the CIA was doing a coup in Haiti. I know that was weird. Wow. So, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and all of the stuff that we talk about, it's prescience and it's understanding mm -hmm. of the American political system yep. is, is kind of sold down the river in that one and arc. Yeah. Well, in like, the arc and then at the end of this season. And then season. at the end of this season. Yeah. The end of the season. It's like the show could be so cynical and so clear headed for so much of the time. And the weird part is the start of Sanctuary, when Vinny gives that speech about how he's just murdering yeah. people to perpetuate systems of power. And then the show doesn't have the courage of its convictions to say, yes, that's true. 
Like, yeah. the show but, chickens out at the last minute. Literally well, at the last minute. Yeah, no, I mean, it is weird. Um, like, you just can't figure out why? why it did that. Now, it was too short, for one thing. Yeah. Um, they just, I don't think they cared anymore. They just had to fill in this, yeah. the stories. I don't, I, I mean, I can't understand... Uh, or they were, I mean, maybe there was real pressure coming down from the network. The network maybe. Maybe they they what said that you can't have this message. Yeah. God, maybe. Oof. Well, that may have been already with, you see, my, my guess is that that's what they were told with the um, Washington arc. And that's mm-hmm. why it has that stupid ending. Yeah. And then they were told going forward, right? But then I guess they just figured they were going to get canceled. But then they did the they did they followed the rules, and they got another season. But of course, it fell apart. Yep. But uh, and we will be talking about that in two weeks. Yep. And yep. Uh, between those two weeks, look for a <laughs> review of Mister Sardonicus. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't want to watch that. Oh, it'll be fun. Come on. We'll just, I mean, it's not going to be a long episode. We'll see how much there is to dig into in Mr. Sardonicus. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. Anyway, but the point is, like, it's fascinating because you start off the season so strong. Yeah. Because that mob arc is so strong. And Albert is such a good character. And they managed to, like, put Vinny in this situation like, he is so sure of himself and so sure that he has, like, grown up beyond being taken in by monsters and taken in by the stories. And uh, Rudy is such a fascinating character. Like, all of this stuff. Hell, Carlotta has great scenes. Yeah. Like, and the wrap-up of his relationship with Amber, it's all so well done. And yep. then you've got the Washington arc, which could be really powerful. If they hadn't gone Frank Capra in the last second. And then you've got Lynchboro, which is just fantastic. Like, there's nothing bad to say about Lynchboro. They had, like, Lynchboro, they had something they wanted to accomplish dramatically, and they they pulled off every part of it. Like, every part of that story, I mean, other than Vinny fleeing, but but it's like, the story they wanted to tell, they told perfectly, and it works. Right, so Lynchboro, great. The first story arc, great. Ironically, the the Washington arc could have been the perfect setup for the end of this. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah, so something must have happened. But I will tell you that the distributor was CBS. Yeah. And CBS, as we well know, has a lot of political connections. That's true, famously. So it's entirely possible that, like, this is a FCC not wanting, uh, the FCC demanding that Elvis Costello not be allowed to play radio on Saturday Night Live type of situation. Which, by the way, there's no swearing in the song radio. It's literally a song about how, uh... Uh, if you listen to the song radio, here is all the song is about. It is a song about how mass media control of radio stations, like, ends up controlling what people are allowed to hear and what people are allowed to think. 
Yeah. That's all the song's about. It doesn't name any companies. It's saying the practice of manufacturing consent is bad because it limits our imaginations and what we're allowed, like, and it limits the conversation of what we're allowed to say. And yeah. by the way, just saying that made the networks and the FCC demand that he not be allowed to play it on Saturday Night Live. And he did. And then he got banned from Saturday Night Live for 15 years. <laughs> but it's like, so you're not wrong to say that this kind of call gets made. I don't know that that call got made on Wise Guy, but looking at what happened to the show, hell, maybe it did. Yeah, like, it's so bizarre. You look at the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, of, of all of those filler episodes, I swear to God, the only one worth worth watching is to die in Bettendorf because it fits in. Yeah, and it's a legitimately great episode. Like, it's a legitimately yeah, rest, great hour of television. Yeah, and the rest of them are, are just... Completely, like, people do it all the time. Okay, fine. You know, it's it happened, but who cares? You know? Yeah. Like, romp, it's, it's it romp. Oh, my God. Like, the worst episode. Reunion, yeah. there's kind of some nice stuff in Reunion. But again, the nice stuff all comes from outside of Vinny, who's acting like an idiot suddenly. Yeah. Like, that's the weird thing about uh, Reunion is it turn like, to make the point they want to make, they end up turning Vinny into an idiot. It kind yeah. of hurts the episode. What otherwise, you know, there's some good stuff in him and Mike Cacciatore. But, oh, do they blow it at the, like, do they blow it with that ending? So, there, as, I, as I said, I, you have to think that pressure came from somewhere. You know, I think you're probably lost. right. I, I, I don't have any other explanation for it. Yeah, for how it co so completely changes what they were trying to do as a show. Yeah, and, and, and this, and that end, and then the bells ringing, and yeah, so that's it. That's over with, and you get, then... Well, we'll see Frank again because he's alive. Yeah. Oh, now. No, no, no. Frank's, Frank's alive and he's the star of the next season. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. Frank's journey, which he stops having one after this. Yes. Spoiler alert. There's no more character growth for Frank after this season. Well, no, because the season goes to hell in a handbasket. Does it ever. Uh, but yeah, the, the show's about to get real weird and real bad. So I uh, hope well, you're see, ready for that. Yeah, real bad, yeah. I don't know if it's weird, it's just bad. Yeah, it is bad. And it is, hey, remember how we've talked about the it, the problem the show has writing women? Uh-huh. The show will be oh, just yeah. nadir of that with a character you're going to meet. <laughs> like, they they have a character that never gets to do anything. And I have, and it's like to the point where you don't know why she's on the show. Yeah. Like, the, there's a character in this next season where it's like, why is she even on the show if you're going to do nothing with her? Like, were oh, they yeah, forced it was a waste. It was a, it was a waste of airtime. Yeah, there's two women on the show, and one of them serves a purpose and does stuff to, talk, like, to challenge the main character and, like, go to the world. And then there's another character who it's like, I don't know why you exist. I honestly don't know why you exist. And neither of them. Neither of them are great characters. You know, the one no. Cecil Hoffman plays isn't a great character. She serves a purpose. Yes. Another character? I, I don't even know why you're here. But we'll get I there. So yeah, uh, season three, all of the, all, their decision to, whether they were forced to, who the hell knows? That's a conversation you can have with like Frank Lupo. Uh, whether they were forced to, <laughs> you know? It's like, if we get Frank Lupo on the phone, maybe we find out what was happening at the end here. 
uh, because sadly Stephen Canal has passed on, so we're not able to interview him about this stuff. But it's like, there's an answer to why season three is as messed up as it is. Yeah. Right? And it just, whatever character beats they want to have, whatever momentum the show tries to build, is killed by having so many filler episodes. Yep. And that's just it. Like, I like Sleepwalk as much as the next guy. I think that's a legitimately good episode of the show. Like, it's... Because it's not really a filler episode in the same way that Last Rites for Lucci was kind of a denouement for the... Right? Uh, was kind of a denouement for the Sunny Steelgrave arc because it gets into, right, um, his... Like, what will continue being his problem with figuring out who he is. With the two Vinnies. With the him not having a good sense. And showing us, like, how people who do this job can end up with the guy who kills himself. Like, there, there's a reason Last Roots for, uh, Last Rites for Lucci exists. You know, it's it has it serves a purpose for the show in a way that, you know, Sleepwalk does. And yeah. but then on top of Sleepwalk, you just have episode after episode after episode. <coughs> you have Meet Mike McPike, which Jesus, you know, a show that complete that, as we talked about, not only right undercuts Frank as a character completely misunderstands who Frank is as a character, it wastes our time, and it robs us of what could have been a fantastic Frank and his son episode. Yeah, never mind. It's just like, no, it's just Vinny got to got to got to understand his father, so I guess Frank had to understand his father. I don't know. But it's like I don't know. I can't then you've got the absolutely terrible Vinny's father flashback episode. What the hell was that? Yeah, that was nuts. (laughs) What the hell am I watching? The Vinny's Father flashback episode, which again, flies in the face of everything we know about all of these characters. You know, it's like, we know about Vinny's dad. We know about Vinny, and this episode is not consistent with any of it. Any of the thing we know. And we don't even learn anything from it. No, nothing. Like Absolutely nothing in Vinny Pelisa. Yeah, just so whatever. Frustrating. And then, and as I said, and then you get to that horrible thing called wrong, which oh. would have been okay if it hadn't had that stupid ending. Yeah, you know. But even so, it doesn't really tell you anything. No, I mean it's a fine episode of television, but it doesn't let us learn about the characters. And on a show like Wise Guy, if it's not about, I mean, it should be about both. But if it's not part of moving the overall part forward and we're not learning about Vinny or Frank, why is it here? Yeah. And the answer is there's no reason for it. There's no yeah. reason for those episodes to exist. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> this season, it really is. Like, given how great season one is and given how like how perfect in its own way season one is and given how incredible season two manages to be like there there are many ways in which season two tops season one yep for it to nosedive this hard and this fast it's it's shocking and it's so frustrating yeah uh, we love you wise guy we really do but you went so bad so fast yep oh my god did you ever Ugh. 
All right. So that's season three of Wise Guy. I hope you enjoyed watching it with us. And if nothing else, we hope you really enjoyed Lynchborough and were fascinated by how crazy that got. Yeah. Like, if yeah. if you think, because there's, there's crazy shows on TV now. There's plenty of crazy shows. I mean, but could you, could I believe for a second that the guy who makes Fargo, like, wasn't massively influenced by Wise Guy? Of course the guy who makes Fargo is massively influenced by Wise Guy. Everybody's massively influenced by Wise Guy. Uh, here, you want to hear something hilarious? The, the uh, extent to which people are in, uh, are influenced by Wise Guy? This so, is the thing you're going to tell me. No, this is a new thing. No, this is a completely different thing. It's just a fun piece of trivia I literally learned yesterday and was excited to tell you today. So, um, basically, uh, a guy had to write a bunch of episodes of Judge Dredd. Right. And for the comic book 2000 AD. And because he was in the like in a writer's union and, you know, couldn't write for this comic book under the terms they were offering. But he wanted to write Judge Dredd. Do, do you know what he uses his pseudonym as the writer? What? Sonny Steelgrave. <laughs> everybody watched Wise Guy and everybody <laughs> loves Wise Guy. Everybody. Yeah. Like everyone creative gets why this show is the most important show. And I think that's what it comes down to. And it just sucks what happened in the, to it in this third season, because you got Lynchborough, you've got, you know, the, the heir to the throne. And the if you had just not done all of these filler arcs, if they had stretched out heir to the throne to six or seven episodes, right? If they had given like, five, six episodes to Washington and been willing to be honest about the Washington story and not cop out at the last second. Right? If they had done those two things and then they had done Lynchboro in the same amount of time and put two more episodes into like Seattle's crime family. Yeah. yeah. This, we would be talking about season three, like we talked about season two. Yeah. But they didn't do it. No, and it, it is so, so, so bizarre. Yeah. It is so bizarre how it's like they let, I mean, like you said, it's probably the network forced them, but it's like they took away everything that made the show special and wondered why it, you know, then got, you know, yeah, everyone so stopped watching. Yeah. It's fascinating. All right. So that was season three of Wise Guy. We'll be back next week to talk about Mr. Sardonicus. And then we'll be back the week after to talk about season four of Wise Guy. Uh, so that should be fun. It stars Stephen Bauer, who's like actually a very good actor. Like oh, yeah. if, if there's a problem with these, uh, with the next like 10, 11 episodes of Wise Guy, Stephen Bauer's not the problem. No, no, no. It's as I said, Stephen Bauer, I, as I said before, I've said on this podcast before. Yeah. If they had just started a different show starring Stephen Bauer and it was that show, yeah, it would have worked. It would have worked fine. But we yeah. were expecting Wise Guy. And, well, we'll talk about what we got instead. Yeah. Okay. We'll have a lot to say about what we got instead. For, so for now, uh, as always, I want to say thank you for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments. If there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profiling 
criminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If uh, you are listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review it. That is how people find the show. And uh, new people finding the show is always a positive thing for us. We'll see you back here next time for uh, Mr. Sardonicus. Which I'm going to somehow convince her to watch. And then, of course, we'll be back for season four of the show that the crew called Was Guy. That's a true, that's a true story. Okay. They announced that they were now working on Was Guy. Yeah. It was pretty damn funny, actually. It's bleak, but it's funny. So we'll see you back here for that. Uh, oh, and of course, Vincenzo on uh, Vincenzo every Wednesday, because of course it is. Every Vin- Tuesday. Oh, every Tuesday, sorry. Uh, this is Wednesday. See you back here for that, but until then, au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.